Welcome in to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. We're the podcast for Vol Basketball fans everywhere. We bring you discussions, debates, and the latest news of the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. Hello everyone and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford and instead of Gene Henley joining me, I'm joined by a special guest host for this week's episode, Brandon Martin. Those of you who have been around here for a while, since the very inception, actually, uh, of when we do our SEC Basketball Fever podcast, you'll remember Brandon. Uh, I had him on here as a, a host on a weekly segment. We did the three big things back when we talked about all SEC basketball. Hasn't Haven't had him on since we rebranded to Vol Basketball Fever. So, Brandon, I am very excited to have you back on here. Uh, for those of, of our, our listeners who may not know you or may not remember, reintroduce yourself and, and let everybody know who you are. And the thing was good to be back. Going to be recording with you again. I've uh, been looking forward to to doing this one uh, since we got off the phone and got it got it organized. Uh, I've covered the University of Tennessee for the last several years, uh, working for VR uh, Two on Sports Illustrated. That's that's been where I have uh, have been covering the team at, uh, covering football, basketball, uh, recruiting. So. It's it's good to get back on, be able to to talk a little bit about this, and it's exciting what Tennessee has been able to do on the recruiting trail, both for the that's coming in that they've got signed, and they've they've got some they're, they're aiming high for this upcoming class as well. Yeah, and that's why I brought you on here. I wanted to talk a lot about Tennessee basketball recruiting, and who better than a guy who I talked we I have talked with recruiting about on multiple platforms. When I, when I was at Rocky Top Insider, the managing editor there, you and I did a recruiting podcast there for the RTI recruiting stuff uh, when you were on for three big things. I actually don't know if we really talked about recruiting a whole lot um, with the SEC Basketball Fever podcast, but uh, we, you and I definitely did uh, off-air uh, texting and stuff multiple times for um, basketball, football, and everything, it feels like. So who better to have on to talk about recruiting stuff than you, Brandon? So I, I'm very excited and happy to have you here. And hopefully our listeners will enjoy your time here as well. Before we get into uh, some of the 2022 class for Tennessee and, and the recruiting efforts there, um, I have a few visitor a, a visitor list to kind of run down and talk about Tennessee's top targets, the positions we think they, they really need to target, and kind of where Tennessee stands with some of their top guys and you know who we think they have the best chance at, at landing. I, I am curious your thoughts on Tennessee's 21 class, because Gene and I have talked um, – I would say pretty extensively on it, but I, I always welcome, you know, other people's opinions or our listeners' opinions, for example, or other guests I've had on uh, to, you know, kind of talk about Tennessee's, you know, basketball program. So I, I'm curious, Brandon, what are your thoughts on the 21 class? Obviously, uh, I think in the modern recruiting history, the highest ranked class since he's ever had, number one in the SEC, number two or three in the country, depending, I, I think, on what you're looking at. I think it was, I think I just saw recently it was like three on two or seven. It was two at one point and two on rivals, but, you know, whatever, a consensus top five top three class tops in the sec a couple five stars you're bringing in a, a very i think um pretty balanced class of, of, of you know a couple five stars and some really talented four stars justin powell not technically part of the class but is kind of technically part of the class as a, a transfer to auburn so all those guys all, all of tennessee's newcomers not just the the incoming freshmen but along with justin powell as well brandy you know what are your thoughts on this these this group of newcomers for UT men's basketball? I think the important thing that Rick Barnes and his staff managed to do this offseason was they sort of went down the list of 
what did this team need? What were they missing from from last year? And I think they they can look at this class and put a check mark by all those needs. You you needed and wanted a, a true, an absolute true point guard. And Kennedy Chandler is that, and he is ready to be that at a Power 5 level, at an SEC level. Uh, I had the opportunity to watch Kennedy play. I'm, I've seen him play while he was at Briarcrest Christian in Memphis. Uh, I got to see him playing at Sunrise, and I got to see him in a game at Sunrise against my bird live and in person, and I've had a chance for us to watch him on the television with a lot of other people, but against against a high school team at Montverde that honestly could probably win a lot of Power 5 conferences if they were playing if they were playing college ball uh, and, and playing on a similar roster himself, Kennedy runs the show, he can play offense, he plays defense, he sees the floor extremely well. He's an outstanding distributor. Uh, he has an outside shot. He can drive the lane. He plays good defense. He attacks passing lanes. He hustles. He's scrappy. One thing that I think a lot of people have, have had a concern with him about is he is just 6'1". But even at 6'1", he gets, he gets to the basket well against elite competition. Uh, Montverde was... Really, they were throwing guys with a lot of size at him. They were and throwing guys with a lot of size at him and double-teaming him pretty well as soon as he got across the, the half-court line to try to bother him. He still scored pretty well in that outing. That. So he's a guy that I think is going to deal well with what, what the SEC is going to throw at him, and he's going to have a lot of weapons around him. Uh, this team needed big men. They, they really struggled in the post last year. You add a guy like a Brandon Huntley Hatfield who was so highly recruited in the 2022 class before he reclassified, and then you bring in a guy, a Jonas I do. I don't think there's enough noise being made about I do. I don't think enough people realize how good he is. He is a really athletic, true seven-footer. He's a, he's a big, long, athletic center that can play on both ends of the floor. Tennessee really wanted him. He had been committed to Marquette. Uh, and then when he, once he decommitted, his primary recruiter uh, is one of Tennessee's new assistant coaches. And they got him to come got him to come to Tennessee, got him to come to Knoxville, who had, who had been after him from early on anyway. I do feel a huge need. He's big, long, athletic. He's a true center. He can work on both sides of the floor. Uh, that, that's a big addition. Brandon Huntley Hatfield is. People thought that he may go straight to the NBA. That's that's how talented he was. People thought he may skip college altogether. Uh, you were a little worried about about his youth. You were a little worried about skipping a year and coming into the SEC where you do have so many extremely physically developed players. But he's a bigger kid. He's got good size. So I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue for him. There's going to be a learning curve for all these guys, but you know, I, he's a guy that I believe is going to be ready to play and is going to make make it a headache on on defenses. And then you have a guy like a Jemima Shack who has also been really overlooked in this. Mm-hmm. To me, he's your Rick Barnes guy. He's an elite, elite, elite defender. He. I, 
you couldn't ask for a kid to have a better attitude. I mean, he just he's a coach's dream. He's an incredible athlete. He's chomping at the bit to get involved here. He looks like he's going to be a stud. Justin Powell is a guy that we saw Tennessee, or we, we saw what he could do in the SEC while he was at Auburn before he got hurt. And he flashed a lot of scoring ability. He's a good defender. He can run the point. He's got good size. He can be a shooting guard. He's good defensively. He can he can play all over. So I think he gives Tennessee another option so much for as a ball handler. He gives Tennessee an option as a ball handler with good size, which is something else they're going to like. And then Quindy Bishbay is, uh, is a guy that I also got to see Hello everyone really and athlete. welcome in He's to a another really smooth episode. scorer. He's gonna need a little work and he's gonna fly under the radar with with the other names that Tennessee has brought in. But you know, that was quality signing as well. Tennessee needs outside shooting, Yo, which they got Williamson, they need RJ Barry and Cam Reddish and they make an immediate presence in the post, which they got. They wanted the true point guard, and I I believe they got two guys that can run the point for them and help help with that. So I think Tennessee ticked all their boxes. They're still going to miss a guy like a Yi Pons. I don't think there's a a defender as versatile on the roster or in this class or a shot blocker in in, in one person that's going to replace what Yi was able to do. But they've still got to feel good about what they brought in. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and note on Huntley Hatfield that I actually – I think I meant to bring this up before. I totally forgot, but um, his age—you mentioned that he'll be younger. I don't think looking at his his bio on UT Sports, I, f- I feel like I don't know if this is true or not. I know I've seen this. Uh, shout out to the uh, Vol Nation forums out there. I've I've seen people post this on here on there before, talking about that either he was he was originally part of the twenty one class and then reclassified to twenty two, and then when his re- reclassified to twenty one, he was technically reclassifying it to his original class. He he isn't as young as I thought he was. He actually, uh, he was born August 6th, 2003. So he's going to be 18 when the season starts. So he's going to be, you know, I think the same age as a, a typical freshman, which I, I, I was surprised because I, like you, I mean, like everyone else, I thought, you know, he's going to be like a 17 year old kid, but he's going to be 18 by the time the season starts. So he won't actually be, you know, that much younger. He won't be turning 19 during the season, but he won't be too much younger than a typical freshman. And I do want to add that I don't remember if Gene said this on the last podcast uh, that we recorded last week. I know he told me before we hit record, um, but he got to see uh, Huntley Hatfield in person recently too. And, and you talked about his size, Brandon. Uh, Gene was like, yeah, he's a legit. Like He's like, what's, what's he listed out on the roster on UTS? Like he's listed at 6'10", 235. He goes, yeah, that's about right. He's like, he's like, I, I don't think they're... They're fudging the numbers on that and anything. He's like he he really it surprised me kind of how big he was in person. So uh, Huntley Hatfield is a legitimate big man, or a, you know, a big big guy out there, Brandon. So I think you're right. I think they did really address a lot of their needs that they have, you know, that they didn't have on the roster this past year that they need to have success for this next season. We we have kind of talked about that in, in previous uh, episodes. I, I do really appreciate your your input there, Brandon. Like I said, it's always nice to kind of get someone outside of. Uh, who is on this podcast week in and week out uh, to talk about it. But let's look ahead a little bit to the 22 class. Obviously, the 21 class, extremely successful. The 20 class, very successful. On paper, obviously, 
on on the court not as much as you were hoping to get from guys like Keon and Jaden along with everyone else but that we've talked extensively about on this podcast as well about kind of the pitfalls of this past year and you know not all of it being the roster's fault COVID obviously played a big big hand of that uh, with John Fulkerson especially but it's the entire team in general too Um, but still recruiting has taken a step forward in the last two I guess you could probably say three recruiting cycles if you go back to 19 when when you brought in Josiah Jordan James Um, you've been bringing in multiple fours and five stars over the last three years and it's not looking like it's going to stop anytime soon Brandon you have guys in this 22 class who are very elite highly rated prospects who Tennessee is targeting and run down this visitor list here uh, posted this on our Facebook page and I'll probably end up putting on our Twitter page as well but I, I had a few other news and notes stuff that I wanted to get on Twitter today and didn't want to clock up the timeline too much uh, but Tennessee is set to have some big time names on the on, on their campus in Knoxville in the month of June. I've already run through some of these already but there's been a couple more added to it since I last touched on this but you have five-star guard Kaysen Wallace coming in on June 3rd Five-star small forward Brandon Miller and four-star point guard and in-state prospect B.J. Edwards both coming in on June 8th. One of the new ones is four-star center Johan Traore coming in June 15th. He's also visiting Texas, and I forget some other school, but he's visiting two schools and then the two other schools in the month of June on an unofficial visit. And then you have four-star power forward Deontay Green, who's visiting June 23rd. I think there's there's a couple other talks of guys like Noah Clowney, and I want to say there's another guy I'm forgetting. Um who's is potentially going to be trying to visit in the month of June as well. But Tennessee is getting in some big time guys, um, some of their big time names and their big time targets to come in on officials and unofficial visits in the month of June. And Brad, that's only scratching the surface, but before we, we get into um, some of the, the other names and some of Tennessee's top targets and everything in this class, I think it's this. This is nice to see because obviously this time last year there were no visits happening. I mean, they, I guess, virtual visits, but there were no in-person visits for Tennessee for them to you know kick off getting people to be able to come back on campus. That is an extremely solid group of guys to to bring in on your first month of of being able to do in-person visits again. Two five stars and, and a, a trio of four stars, and one of those being B.J. Edwards, who's you know arguably. Tennessee's top target in this class. You can you can argue you know, here and there about a couple other guys, but B.J. Edwards is right up there in, in Tennessee's wish list. I mean, he, he's one of the top guys they for sure want to land in this class. So I, that's a I mean that is a extremely solid group. And I yeah, again I don't imagine that's going to be it. I think you'll see a couple other guys uh, add their names to the list of of guys coming and visiting. So just your quick thoughts on that. And also, I think an interesting conversation we'll have later again is what kind of positions Tennessee needs to target and kind of how many guys we think they can add because this roster is going to be interesting after this year too but more on that in a second what are your thoughts on the visitor list and just kind of the ability Tennessee is already getting of of getting these guys that come in on campus this quickly and this early anytime you're able to go out and and bring guys of that caliber onto your onto your campus to seriously consider your program uh, let's be honest there there was a time three or four years ago where if we had been recording uh, recording something for a recruiting podcast for RTI you and I would have gotten off the gotten off the call and if we heard that there was one five star prospect seriously considering Tennessee basketball through list we'd have hit the roof and yeah. now we've got 
two and a bunch of four stars and potentially more to add and then the discussion for some other five stars. So yeah, that's a, that's a testament to how far the recruiting has come very quickly. And, and the level of that, the level of player being brought into the program. And at this point, these are guys that Tennessee is, you've got to know they're, they're in a strong position with, because these guys have waited a year to get to do visits. And when they're going through making their visits, uh, making their schedules, Tennessee's at the top. You know, Tennessee may not be the very top, but Tennessee's one of the places they want to go see. You know that that Rick Barnes and his staff have done a good job, and they're in a strong position with these guys. These aren't visits to just kill time or to to get to take a trip. These are these are guys that are seriously considering Tennessee and what they've got to offer. And if you land half those guys. That, depending on how the roster shakes out, I think it'll wind up being more, the Tennessee has more space. But if you land half those guys that you just named off in any combination, that's probably another top five class in the country. Uh, def- I mean, probably. Definitely top if, ten. If you, get, if you get one five-star and two four-stars or two five-star and a four-star of just three guys, yeah. <laughs> I think that's another at least top ten. At least top ten, probably knocking on the door of top five, mm-hmm. and that's just those guys right there. So that's that's the kind of talent that Tennessee's bringing in here. And when you, when you look at the guys Tennessee has had has had visit the last couple of years, around that fifty percent mark has been for, for for their big fish for their for their really big targets they've gotten on campus. Kind of that fifty percent mark is what we've been looking at for for the hit rate for closing the deal. Tennessee's done a really good job with these with these big name guys. If they can get them on campus, they've been getting them signed if they wanted them. So, uh, I, I think that's a really strong visitor group. The guy that I would look for, and and you touched on him already, is B.J. Edwards. Yep. Uh, B.J. is a point guard at Knox Catholic. He is explosive offensively. He's a good distributor, but he is he is more of a score-first point guard, and he can fill it up in a hurry. He, I'm not taking anything away from his passing. I'm not taking anything away from his defense, but, but B.J. can flat score. He is an offensive dynamo when he gets going. Tennessee feels very confident they're going to need another true point guard because everybody's expectation, and I think, uh, I think probably even Kennedy Chandler's expectation is, is that he's going to be in Knoxville one year and then he's going to the NBA. That's un- unless something drastic happens, that's the plan. Mm-hmm. And so Tennessee is pretty confident they're going to need another point guard. They would really like to get another true point guard to avoid the situation they had last season. BJ is definitely a true point guard. He is an in-state kid. He's here. He's in Knoxville. Uh, he's Tennessee's been really pushing hard for him for a long time. They really want to keep him home. And I think much like they did with Kennedy Chandler, I think Tennessee has an opportunity to help build their class around guys that want to play with BJ. 
because you got some guys in this last class that signed to Tennessee for a lot of reasons, but being able to play with Kennedy Chandler was, was part of that reason. I think Tennessee realizes they can do the same thing with uh, with BJ. He's really going to be a priority for them. I think he's the guy at the top of the list right now. I think he's the guy they probably want to get in the boat first. Uh, another guy that's visiting, another in-state player that I've had an opportunity to see is Brandon Miller out here at Cane Ridge in Nashville yep. or with, in Antioch. Whew. Uh, just phenomenal athlete. He's big, he's long, he's strong. Got an opportunity to watch him some in the in the state tournament last year, or rather state tournament this year in Murfreesboro, <clears throat> last season this year. And he is just a, he's able to score, he's able to play defense. He has that height and length that Rick Barnes really likes in his wings. Uh, he has the athleticism that Barnes really likes in his wings. Miller is going to put the ball on the floor more than some of the wings that we've seen Tennessee have. Uh, Tennessee has, in in the past few years, seems like they've tended toward when you've gone to a wing guy, it's been more of a more of a guard set. Uh, Miller's a good shooter, but he's not afraid to drive the lane and he's able to finish when he does it. I think he would I think he would bring something that this Tennessee team could could use and that is a guy who will drive the lane hard from the outside. Uh, he's a player that he he's a player that a BJ Edwards could too. BJ were to drive the lane, he's got another option he could kick to who could shoot from outside or who can come in behind him and attack the defense from the backside. And the way that B.J. gets to the rim, the way that B.J. attacks offensively, I think Miller's a really nice compliment for him. Miller's a really good defender. We know how important that is for Barnes, and, and Miller is, is a guy that's a problem for other teams to match up against just, be, just because of his size, length, and athleticism. But he also puts a lot of work into his defense, and he's committed to that side of his game. Those are two in-state guys that are going to be there that I know Tennessee has really got has really got circled. They're guys that I've gotten a chance to see. Uh, a guy I think we need to bring up just because he, he's not on that visitor list. I'm not sure what class he's going to wind up in, but I think he's going to wind up at Tennessee. Is Hanjay Tamba, who's also at Knox Catholic, who plays with B.J. Edwards. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk that he may be reclassifying the 2021 class. If so, now Tamba is Tamba's not ready to play in the SEC right now. He's he's going to be a bit of a project, but he is another legitimate seven footer that is extremely athletic and would add more size to that Tennessee front court and potentially be a solution down the road if you have a couple of big guys transfer out or somebody leaves early for the NBA. So uh, Tamba's still currently in the in the 2022 class, he could move. That's going to be a guy to watch. And then another in-state guy, uh, Felix Akpara down at Hamilton Heights in Chattanooga. 6'11", right at 7 feet. A high four-star prospect. Another center. Uh, we're seeing Tennessee, at least in some of the guys they've been pursuing, it looks like they're trying to bring in more big men 
which is something this lo- this roster really sorely lacked last year. Uh, Barnes has taken a lot of criticism for not recruiting more or really even enough big men. It looks like he's trying to remedy that. It looks like he's trying to get some big guys in here. And he's he's going after some big guys that a criticism he's faced is when he does go get big men, he's getting guys that are 6'7", 6'8". He's going after some some legit seven-footers now, some legit good-size big men that this roster's needed for a while. And it looks like he's trying to gear it up so they've got they've got that depth. Even if you have some guys transfer out or leave early, so it'll be interesting to watch. Those are just a just a few names. Yeah, we we've talked about Tamba before on this podcast. I don't know that we've really we haven't talked about him a ton. I don't know. Like I think Gene has mentioned because he's got to see him play. Um, I think down over in Hamilton Heights. Um, but yeah, the, the the thought is that he's going to reclassify to twenty twenty one and will likely end up in Tennessee. But, you know, no, no, you know, not a foregone conclusion. Obviously nothing has been announced yet and we're in late May at this point. So, you know, you you never know, but it does seem that way. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Akpara. I was going to mention him. Some of the, I guess the, the big targets for Tennessee that of all fans who may not follow recruiting as closely should know for the 22 class. You've already, we've already touched on most of them, but obviously BJ Edwards, that's probably, again, probably number one. You have Brandon Miller, who's also the in-state kid, who's a five-star. Uh, the guys are visiting. Get him, Casey Wallace, uh, Johan Traore is a, a guy who's kind of recently emerged on Tennessee's roster, but I think he's on the list right now. If he's visiting in June, he's definitely, you know, I think on, on Tennessee's list. Uh, De'Antoni, er, Deontay Green is coming in in June as well. And then I also mentioned Akpara, Dylan Mitchell, I would say on there, and then Jalen Hood-Shafino. Uh, both Hood Shafino and Akpara are both guys who recently, I think, on, on Tipton edits that the the people who do a lot of the recruiting edits for, you know, recruits when they commit to schools or, or, or sign to schools or whatever, and, and have those um, Photoshop images and things like that. Tipton edits has a lot of those and does a lot of like the the stuff for when the the kids release their top schools on on Twitter and Instagram and everything. They also obviously are in contact with those recruits a lot, and uh, they put out I think earlier this week that. Jalen Hood Shafino had mentioned Tennessee along with like Kansas and North Carolina and a bunch of other schools or or not a bunch, but like, you know, five, six other schools were ones that were recruiting him the heaviest. And then the exact same thing for Felix Apara. Uh, Tennessee was one of the short list of schools that are recruiting him the heaviest right now, uh, according to, um, you know, talking to those recruits. I put all of them on there and also would circle a guy named Noah Clowney, who uh, you know some of you probably do know, but a lot of you probably don't, who's kind of really burst onto the scene recently and has just flown up recruiting rankings. I think now, in Rival's most recent update, he jumped up, I, I think, from not rated at all to number 55 in, in their their rankings. He's still a three-star on 247, but 247 hasn't done any updates to their uh, 22 class recently, and I don't think at least. Um, so he hasn't moved up any just yet there, but he, he will at some point. So I think same thing with Johan Triori. I think he was a guy who either wasn't ranked or was a three-star or whatever, and now he's in the top um, 75 on Rivals. I think he's number 65 or something like that on there. So uh, those are those I would say were are, are probably Tennessee's top targets. Before we – I, I, well, I don't think I mentioned Deontay – I mentioned Deontay Green. Okay. Um, before we get into talking about positions that we think Tennessee really needs to target, and you've kind of touched on that a little bit already, Brandon – and, and talking about also Tennessee's roster, I, I want to bring this up with you. Imani Bates, 
there seems to be I want to be careful how I'm wording this because I don't want to give any sort of false hope to Tennessee fans on this <laughs> or try to hype anything up that I don't think is there. But there does seem to be very slowly, very little bit of not even momentum, just just kind of buzz or, or something there with him. He, he's, he seems to have a relationship with Kamal Haddon, who is a guy who recently uh, transferred from Auburn to Tennessee in, men's, in, in football, not men's basketball. Tennessee is getting a couple Auburn transfers in, in both sports, though, and, and Justin Powell and now Kamal Haddon. But it seems like those two guys are our buddies. I've seen different screenshots uh, a couple times now on Instagram where either he's liked Kamal Haddon's photos or commented on his photos and stuff like that. So they, they know each other. Obviously, Kamal Haddon is now at Tennessee. You're thinking, you know, is that, does that help Tennessee with Imani Bates? And I, I think Bates has talked about his relationship with Tennessee and the fact that, you know, Rick Barnes is telling him, hey, we uh, coach Kevin Durant. Come Tennessee, or you can be, you know, coached by the guy who coached Kevin Durant, who you've been obviously getting a lot of comparisons to. He just recently got knocked down from number one overall and rivals number two, whatever. I, I still think he's an extremely talented player. Um, he didn't have as good a season this past year as, as people were expecting, but he still had a, a pretty darn good season, in my opinion. I don't think there's I, – I, I think there's – to me, there's no way Imani Bates plays – college ball next season Brandon I also don't think I've seen people talk about Tennessee having some a, a, a kind of a good spot with a guy like Jet Howard who again if he doesn't end up at Michigan where his dad is as a head coach I'd be stunned I don't think either, either of those two options are even options for Tennessee but I applaud this coaching staff for uh, shooting their shot essentially because with Imani Bates you're not losing anything on him, man. If if anything, it's helping you. Even if he does obviously go pro and you know doesn't come to college and and next year, because just the exposure of hey, we're a school that has a relationship with the Mighty Bates. He considered us even slightly. He gets to interact with some other recruits and other people there. That's still that's going to raise your profile. A guy like Jet Howard, I mean, if his dad keeps doing what he's in Michigan. Unless he doesn't want to go back to the NBA, which I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't follow Michigan basketball that much. He could be a, I mean, Juwan Howard could go to the NBA in the next couple years. And at that point, if Jet isn't a one and done player, maybe he wants to transfer. And if Tennessee's his number, you know, quote unquote, number two at this point, behind, you know, probably very, very behind Michigan in, in his recruiting right now. If he's wanting to transfer, where do you think he's going to look? A guy at a school where he has relationships with the coaches there already. So I don't think those are obviously, I don't, I don't think those are opposite of Tennessee. I think those are pretty off the table, but I'm not fault. You know, I'm not going to, I think I've seen people on, on Twitter and stuff say, why are you wasting our time here? I don't think Tennessee's wasting our time at all with guys like Imani Bates and Jet Howard, because you've got plenty of coaches who are able, you know, Brick Barnes, you've got your two new assistants. You've got Schwartz who's been here for a long time. You've got your, your video, uh, video producer, not producer, but the video guy who's also, I think he's been talking with Jet a little bit as well. I mean, I don't think Tennessee's wasting time at all here. You've got plenty of other guys who you're obviously doing a good job recruiting who are, are considering Tennessee, who are highly rated and seem like very good players, and you know, not just highly rated, but guys who obviously do seem like good fits for Tennessee regardless of ranking. I don't, I don't, I don't view it as wasting time recruiting guys and, and trying to you know talk with guys like Imani Bates and Jet Howard, even though I don't think you're going to get them. I think those chances are extremely slim. Imani Bates is a in the in the age of the one and done. 
and now that guys can go straight to the NBA again. Guys like Amani Bates, you you've got to walk a fine line because you may think they're going pro, you may think that's the the route that they're going to take, and say, well, I, I don't want to waste my time. I'm 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 going on somewhere else, and they may decide to play your college basketball. Uh, on the flip side, if you throw everything you've got at them, if you're throwing everything at the kitchen sink, everything but the kitchen sink at these guys, if you're trying to build a class around them, then you could really be devastated if they decide to go go straight to the pros. So you, you've got to walk that tightrope on a guy like anybody Bates because, what you know, how do you feel if if you pull off and stop really recruiting him and stop work, stop working to bring him in, and then he decides to play college ball, and you had a shot? So I uh, I think Tennessee is in a good spot with Amani Bates. Uh, I think there there is some buzz and there is there is some momentum building around Tennessee with him if he decides to play college ball. Now, Jed Howard is is a little different. In the age of the transfer and the mm-hmm. transfer portal and immediate eligibility, who finishes second for your recruiting is now suddenly a big deal. Uh, who finishes second and third is, is, is a bigger deal than it used to be because it used to be, you know, you lost out, and barring something serious happening, and a guy sitting out for a year, you were you were out of the discussion. But for a guy like a Jed Howard, or even a guy like a Justin Powell, like we saw Tennessee this year in the transfer market, if if something happens, and one of these guys decides to transfer, whether it's a coaching change or a personal issue or something like that, uh. It comes down to the, the staff you already had a relationship with, and Tennessee still had a good relationship with Justin Powell. They'd recruited him hard. They'd prioritized him. They, you know, they they told him what they thought of him. It just didn't work out, and he wound up going to Auburn. And then a year later, hey, he's on the transfer market, and and look where he winds up. And that went fairly quickly because he was already familiar with a lot of the staff and what they wanted to do with him. You could see something similar like that with Jed Howard if his if his dad were to were to go to the NBA, and with as successful as Michigan has been, I don't think there's anything like this going to happen. But uh, it's college sports; we've seen crazier things. If if his dad were to to leave Michigan on less than a great note, uh, however that were to be interpreted, if if that were to happen. You have a guy like a Jet Howard who may not want to be at a place where his dad didn't leave on the best terms, and it comes up. All right, well, who was who was second? Who else recruited you hard? Who else do you have a good relationship with? And I, and I and I'm like you. I would I would be stunned. I'd be stunned if Jet Howard went anywhere but Michigan. I'd be I would be floored. But we've seen crazier things happen. <laughs> oh yeah, especially at Tennessee. <laughs> so I mean, we you know we've seen stranger things happen. You can't 
you can't give up. You got to make somebody else earn it. Uh, and in recruiting, it's about figuring out how much time you want to dedicate each place and how bad you need certain guys in certain positions. So uh, Howard's a guy that I, I, I expect Michigan to win that. I'd be stunned if Michigan didn't win that recruiting battle. But you at least got to make them earn it. You, you can't just give it to them. Uh, and Tennessee, I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit about what's his roster going to look like, what are they going to need. They're going to need a couple wings in the next few years. They're, they're going to need some of those guys. They're going to be in the market for a Jet Howard kind of guy or a Brandon Miller kind of guy. So I, I, I think that's going to be, be somebody they stay in touch with. Yeah, no, I, I, again, like I said, I, I'm not, I don't think they're wasting their time at all with these guys. Um, and it's still, like I said, you can still keep recruiting your main guys and still keep in contact with these guys. So with that being said and that in mind, looking at this 22 class specifically, you know, not looking ahead 23 or anything like that, what would you, in your opinion, Brandon, highlight as kind of the, the biggest... I guess positions of need in this 22 class because I think as we touched on I think Kenny Chandler is going to be a one and done guy so does that mean you need to go get a point guard you're looking at BJ Edwards you're looking also at a guy um, like Jalen Huchifino who is listed as a combo guard but I think he I think he projects maybe more as a, as a point guard in, in college but you know you're looking at getting a guy like BJ Edwards to come in and, and maybe maybe take over maybe you go get a, a transfer point guard um, next offseason but you know I, I think point guard is obviously a position you're looking at because I don't think you're expecting Kennedy Chandler to be here for more than a year. And I don't think you want, you have guys who can play point like Viscovi, like Justin Powell, like, uh, Oh goodness. I'm, I'm just forgetting who, Oh, Josiah Jordan James can play some if you need him too. So you have guys who can play point, but you don't have a really a, a true point guard who can do what you need. Viscovi. Yes, he can do it, but you'd be more comfortable having someone else play point guard there if you could. I also think you're looking at I mean looking at who Tennessee is having coming visiting right now, it's a lot of big men. It's a lot of guys that are six eight, six nine, six ten or, or you know, seven foot coming in visiting. You you look at some of the top guys we just mentioned earlier with a Deontay Green, uh, with a Noah Clowney, with a Felix Akpara. Uh, These are all guys who are legit big men who are having come visit it. I think obviously that means Tennessee's targeting a, a power forward center type, and I think that makes sense because you I would say, again, for sure you're going to lose John Fulgerson this offseason. I don't think he's going to come back for a seventh year and be a, a 30-year-old man out there playing against 18, 19-year-old kids, but you never know. Uh, <laughs> look at Dylan Mitchell. I think he's, he's not, he's like a, he's more of a small forward type of guy, three, a three type of guy, but still, you know, I guess maybe you could throw him in there or whatever. Um, but to me, Brandon, I, th- I think for sure in this class, you're looking at trying to add a point guard, trying to add a big man. But I think also what kind of what has to go in conjunction with this conversation is what in the world is Tennessee's roster going to look like after this 21-22 season? Because you and I were talking before we record, kind of, you know, kind of I guess taking notes and building up this conversation we're going to have on on air here. Volkerson's going to be gone, as I said. I don't think he's going to come back for another year. You imagine that Kennedy's going to be gone as a one and done. I would imagine Huntley Hatfield's a one and done. That's three guys right there. If you if, even if you do bring in Andre Tamba, and he reclassifies to a 21 class, you still have one scholarship spot available. And I, I don't think Tennessee is going to go grab it, a transfer another one this offseason, unless they just really fall in love with a guy who's in the transfer portal. 
I think they'll save it for, you know, maybe a mid-year transfer guy who they can, you know, get and obviously bring in for next season or save it for recruiting or save it for, you know, a, an off-season transfer or whatever. I think they're saving it for the next roster, the 22-23 roster. So that's one right there. If those three guys leave, that's four spots that you have. What does if, – if Josiah Jordan-James goes out and has a solid, a solid to great season, does he leave? Does he come back for a fourth year? I, I think he'll come back for a fourth year, but you never know. What does Victor Bailey Jr. do? Uh, if guys like Camwa and, and Urosh don't, excuse me, Urosh don't play, you know, a lot again this year, do they transfer? I don't know. Urosh, Urosh probably won't. I think he just he loves being in Tennessee. But does Livier? Because I think he has potential. Does he go, you know, transfer somewhere else so he can get more playing time? What about Viscovi? If if he's not, you know, if he doesn't feel like he's going to, if he gets passed over by Victor Bailey or Justin Powell this year as a this kind of a two guy, he doesn't feel like he's going to get more minutes at a at the one next year or at the two next year, does he transfer? So I, you, you go from anywhere of, I think, probably for sure going to have, I think, three guys that are on this team, not on the team in 22 and 23. But Brian, you're, you're looking at potential. Like you had this this past off season, you could have a lot of roster movement and, and, not, and it not be like, you know, raising the red flag as going, oh, what's going on here? What's happening here? Why are these guys leaving? It could just be, guys going to the NBA, guys going pro, or guys realizing, hey, I'm not going to have playing time because this other guy's going to come in and take my spot, so I'm going to go try to go somewhere else. You could have anywhere between three to six to seven spots like you had this this previous offseason. So with all that in mind, I, again, I do think Tennessee goes and grabs you know at least one, if not two, transfers next offseason again. But man, Brandon, we're, we're looking at this this 22 signing class in, in, in the future for Tennessee. It could be just as big, if not maybe bigger than the 21 class. And that was already a, a pretty big class for uh, immense basketball side of things where Tennessee signed five guys. So I, I think, again, your, your base needs are point guard and a big man. But I also think you can't ever obviously go wrong bringing in more shooters. So looking at a, a two or a three who is a really good shooter, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you have, a to me, a massive glaring need. I think the closest you have to that is bringing in a point guard. And that, that also you know can be addressed in the transfer portal as well. But I think whether we're talking recruiting, whether we're talking transfers, we're just talking about what does Tennessee need to address in this 22 class as a whole. I think point guard, a, a true four slash five, because you're losing Fulkerson and probably losing Hatfield. Obviously you're going to have a dude who's in this class, but you know, building depth or, you know, bringing in competition A one and a four and a five and a shooter, well, probably like two shooters if you can, because again, you can never have too many of those. I think that's what I'm saying is like what Tennessee needs. And again, that's going to be all, not all, but that's going to be somewhat contingent on what the heck this roster looks like after this season, because I don't know, man, it's going to be another uh, off season of, of a lot of shifting faces in Knoxville, in my opinion. I think point guard is a, a true point guard is, is the number one thing. They, no, nobody expects Kenny Chandler to come back for his sophomore year. Everybody yeah, I'd, understands I'd be the plan is. Everybody understands the plan. Understands the plan's one and done. And so you know that you've got to bring in an, another true point guard. I think that's one of the reasons B.J. Edwards is so important in this class. Not just because he's in state. Not just because he's in Knoxville. Not just because. He's an extraordinarily talented basketball player, not just because other guys will want to come play with him, but because he is a true point guard. And we 
We saw Tennessee struggle when they didn't have that. We've seen how good Tennessee can be when they do have it. And so B.J. Edwards is a, is a big priority. I think they really want that true point guard. Honestly, I think Tennessee would like to bring in uh, a true point guard and someone else who can, who can play point guard. I think Hood Shafino is going to be a guy they look at hard as someone that could do that potentially for them. We've talked about Euros Plavich being the ultimate the ultimate teammate, I believe, is what uh, Rick Barnes had called him. <laughs> yep. And you know, you love him, you love the energy, you you love what he does for the bench, for the program, and you love that he loves being in Tennessee. But let's call a spade a spade. Euros has got to produce this year. In, in in this season, he's he's got to produce. We saw Tennessee. We don't know if it was the players deciding to leave, or or if if the staff suggested it might be time for them to go somewhere else because they uh, look to have been. You don't want to necessarily say recruited over, but that's kind of where you're at. We saw that happen with a couple of guys that Tennessee. Everybody in that Tennessee program spoke extremely highly of ticket gains. Uh, I don't know if Ticket decided to transfer on his own or if he was kind of told that might be what was best for him. But staff loved him. They loved his effort. They, they loved everything that he did. Uh, I'm yet to hear anybody associated with Tennessee have anything bad to say about Ticket. But he's not playing in Knoxville this fall. He's, he's gone somewhere else. And I, I think Euros is – he's got to produce this year. I'm afraid he's going to find himself in that in that same situation. He's got to produce on the floor or else he's going to be an upperclassman that's not getting many minutes, that's not earning minutes, that's not putting up stats. And Tennessee needs to bring in big men, and they'd rather use that scholarship on a, on a young guy that might produce, might not to continue to keep it for a guy who, even though they love him off the, off the court, isn't producing on. So I, th- I think that's a, that's a place you're going to look. Uh, I think Tennessee, one, one need, I, I think you're going to see Tennessee take two big men. I think they're, they really need a, a true center. I could see them adding another, another center, another forward. I'm not as sure Huntley Hatfield's going to be a one-and-done the more that I look at it. The talent is absolutely there, but I don't know that he's going to get enough – I don't know that he's necessarily going to get enough minutes this year to, to do that because between Fulkerson being back, I do being on the roster, Euros being on the roster, Camwa being, being on the roster – he may have a hard – I'm not saying he's going to have a hard time getting on the floor. Obviously, he's going to play. But I don't know that he's going to get the, the minutes to be that one and done that that you typically see. So that, that'll that be an interesting thing to, to watch with him. I think Tennessee really needs to bring in another big, long, elite defender on the outside. That is – what the identity of this team has been when they're good, their defense is smothering, and it's because they bring in guys like that. Uh, I think it's a Brandon Miller type guy. 
but I think you need to add one of those in this class. Rick Barnes has done a really good job of adding at least one of those kids in in every class. So uh, I think you definitely want a true point guard. I think you want a combo guard that is leading further toward the, the point guard side than the, than the shooting guard side. I think you want a big man and you want a really good, long, athletic wing that can help you on defense. And then if you can get a shooter, uh, I mean, that's – man, with some of the offensive droughts we've seen this team have, a shooter's always welcome. <sighs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's why I said you, you that, can never have too many shooters. Bring them all in. Have, have a team all full of shooters and one big man. I, I don't care. <laughs> bring, it, bring it as many as you can. That, that that size says it all. <laughs> I I have watched enough. Miss it, 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 it's interesting. I I've heard people talk about it. You know, this past season especially, it wasn't like they were taking a bunch of bad shots. You had guys hitting, taking open shots. It was just they never fell. That, that to me is the sign of you're just a bad shooting team. If if you're taking open shots and missing them, man, that's just. You're just not good at, at shooting the ball because <laughs> it's not like you're having it's not like you're having bad form and, and, and all sort of stuff. You, your follow through is good. You're you're getting good shots. You're you're getting putting yourself in good positions. Your teammates are putting yourself putting you in good positions and helping you try to succeed. And it's not going down. Some of that there was bad luck involved with it this year and everything too. But most of it wasn't bad luck. Most of it was just being bad a bad shooting team. So there was something you said there, Brandon. That there made me go ahead. Sorry. I was, there were points you would see guys jacking up a three and they'd be open they'd be open and you're going fundamentally this is the right thing to do mm-hmm. but please drive the lane please <laughs> please drive the lane yep exactly I, I, they'd shoot a three and you're like look I know there's no one within four feet of you I know this on paper makes sense and and in my in my heart of hearts, I know it makes sense to do the shot, but I've seen y'all miss like four or five of these <laughs> shots the same game. So uh, th- there was something you said there that I'm trying to remember what you said, man, and I I cannot now. It is slowly slipping my mind, but there was something you said that I thought it's funny you should bring that up because we have talked about that on on this podcast before, and now I do not remember what it was you brought up. <laughs> and, and I was going to say, but th- there's something you mentioned there that I was going to say. Yeah, we've we've talked about that on this podcast before. Um. God, I cannot remember what it was now. Maybe I'll remember it before we end, end, end the podcast here. But I, I do think actually probably we'll end it here pretty soon because I, I think that's, to me, I, I think it pretty well covers it. I, I think this 22 class, I expect to be another very solid class of guys to come in, and, in a mix of instant impact type of players and guys who um, – you know, you're, you're going to hopefully build to their future with. But again, it's going to be another offseason a lot of change for this team next next offseason. I don't you know don't think it'll be the same amount as this offseason was, but I don't think it's because you're, it's not going to be that by necessity. You're not going to need to kind of push away some more guys like you did this past offseason. At least hope not. It, that that's going to if that happens, it's because this upcoming season is a disappointment like this past season was, and obviously uh, don't want that to be the case. So <laughs> uh, I. I, I, I yeah. Let's at, let's at least mention that Tennessee can have a really, really, probably a top five recruiting class if they just do well at home. You have Akpara, who's in Tennessee, who's uh, who's in Chattanooga. 
and who is playing at Hamilton Heights, which is where you got Euros from, where he played high school ball. You have uh, Deontay Green, who is playing at Asheville Christian Academy, which is just right there in western North Carolina, and really closer, as close to Knoxville or closer than, than Nashville is. You've got Brandon Miller at, at Cane Ridge. You've got B.J. Edwards in Knoxville. Right now, you, you have Henjay Tamba in Knoxville. So you you have guys in state that will, and, you know, let's go ahead and add Noah Clowney at, in, in Roebuck South that far away. You've got guys in, in this area. You don't, you're not having, this year you're not having to recruit nationally. You can stay pretty close to home and bring in local talent, in-state and local talent, and really have a have an impressive class and have a strong class. But then some of the other national places you're looking at going are places you have already been. You have had success going to IMG Academy with with Jaden Springer. Just last year you went and got Jaden Springer out of IMG. So the guys at IMG know you. They know the program. They they know what you bring to the table. Uh, you're looking at potentially doing going after Montverde Academy in Florida. You you've recruited Montverde. You you've been at a, you know at a lot of these major games where you've had Montverde this year, Montverde and Sunrise, they played three times. Tennessee, you know, had a heavy presence watching those games, but you've been watching Montverde as well. You were watching for Kennedy. Now you're you're already familiar with a lot of these kids. So these are Tennessee's looking at a lot of there's a lot of local talent and local in the in the recruiting sense, regional talent. And then a lot of places they have already been successful going into. So they really should feel good about being able to bring in this class with guys they should be very familiar with. It's going to bug me that I, I can't remember what you said <laughs> that, that made me <laughs> want to say something, but I'll, I'll go back and listen when I'm editing this and I'll realize what it was and I'll have to shoot you a text like, this is what it was, and our listeners just won't, won't know, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I think that'll be where we end the podcast here. Uh, Brandon, man, it, it's been fun having you on. I've, I've missed talking to you and, and having you on um, on a podcast. It's, it's been great having you as a guest. Um, if there's anything else you want to add, let me know. But if not, uh, let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and interact with you and stuff. I, I just I recommend everybody go uh, take a look at si.com slash Tennessee. That's where uh, – that's VR2 on SI. That's where they can they can reach out to – you can you can find the recruiting articles. You can find uh, the work that we put on there. And then I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's Brandon underscore next. You can find me there. Uh, but yeah, it's Nathaniel. It's, it's been great to be back. I've enjoyed uh, enjoyed coming on. I've uh, look look forward to coming on again. Hopefully, that's something we can we can do soon. And uh, appreciate you inviting me. Absolutely. I don't think I said this at the beginning of the show, but if you're Louie here, thank you for listening. You can find us basically everywhere podcasts are found at this point. We're trying to get added to one more um, podcast directory, but for the most part, um, if you have an app that gets podcasts, we're found on it. You can find us on the big ones, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, We're also 
available on other ones such as Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Podcast Addict, and iHeartRadio. And also, obviously, on the Podbean app, because that's where we're hosted is through Podbean. So check us out through other. We have a couple more news and notes and stuff that are not notes, but some exciting news. I'll be excited to share about Vol Basketball Fever in the coming days, weeks or so here. So be on the lookout for that. Just teasing it. Don't want to give anything big away here or say anything big uh, just in case anything falls through. But just, you know, hopefully some exciting news coming in the next, you know, know, couple days or weeks or so. So be on the lookout for that. Really, really appreciate you guys. Uh, I know Gina and I have talked before about how much we appreciate you guys uh, on here, but it can't be said enough. Thank you all so much for listening as often as you do and sharing the show and, and spreading this around and helping us grow. Very excited to see what this upcoming season brings, obviously for the team, but also for us here at Vol Basketball Fever and, and seeing you know, where you guys take us and, and how much we grow once the season is here. But signing off for our guest host, Brandon, I'm Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast.